People say creativity and entrepreneurship should be open and fluid and free. But should they? Could they be disciplined and methodical instead? Hmm, perhaps. What would that look like? I think that looks like something called rigor. So that's what we're talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast. Honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. It's just a beer. It's not a cocktail, Karen. What's going on? Well, sometimes you just need to grab a beer and not fuss with a cocktail. And I feel like with rigor, if you are, like, getting it done, sometimes a beer is just what you need. So this one is a double IPA. It's from a Michigan brewery called Shorts Brewery. It's one of my favorite beers. It's called Huma Lupalicious. The thing that I love is that it's got five hops. It gives the beer a real bitterness, but then there's this maltiness that kind of rounds it out. It's really something delicious to celebrate in the winter. The thing about it that I like is um, Shorts Brewery is in northern Michigan, and they have grown so much over, what, the past 15 years, Mm -hmm. I think. They just practically used to be this tiny little place, and now it's a very impressive brewery and a destination for their town, Bel Air. And I don't think you get there without a little bit of rigor, right? No, absolutely. It's off the beaten path a little bit. But also, I really respect what they've come to be in Michigan, especially in kind of the beer culture in general in Michigan. They are real ambassadors for microbreweries, and, um, you know, they come downstate, too. Oh, they do. So anyway, this is, a, this is a good beer for a good topic. Yeah. So what is rigor anyway? Well, there was your favorite word association. <laughs> rigor mortis. <laughs> Stiff, right? Dead? Yeah. Stiff and dead. Well, like rigid. There's a rigidity or a sternness or an inflexibility to rigor. But I don't think that's really what we're talking about. No. I I think it takes some unpacking. The first words that I thought about were discipline and routine and process. So to me, if you were to ask me for a synonym, I'd say discipline. But I don't know if that's right either. I was really thinking about it, and even in my research, there are there are certain industries or certain pockets of the world where rigor gets used positively, right? And they're all kind of in that kind of stiff and serious way. So there's, you know, the full rigor of the law and scientific rigor or academic rigor. So, but in the, my research, I couldn't really find entrepreneurial rigor popping up anyway. And it was like, well, hell, how are we successful if it doesn't require some rigorous thinking and action, right? Right. The, the creative industry, it's just not a word that you see bantered around ever, really. It, it's not a word that we talk about. I don't, I don't think anything in my schooling or even in my relations with my clients, it's, it's not a concept that we, we talk through almost. It's almost as if as creatives, we don't want to bump up against that structure. And I don't think it's because creatives are opposed to structure. I mean, maybe in certain circumstances, but um, rigor sounds hard. Yeah, it sounds really hard. And unfun. I feel if we could bring the positive context where it's used in other industries and think about it, maybe we can apply it to how we could or do run our businesses, right? So if you think about scientific rigor, it's kind of this methodical approach. Or if you think about academic rigor, it's the ability to think deeply and carefully when you're presented with new knowledge, which I think is really Lovely. Yeah, that really feels to align with what we do in our creative industries as well, thinking deeply when presented with a problem. I feel like it has something to do with holding to a higher standard and demanding excellence and thorough work. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you really unpack those things, it feels 
like something we'd really want to attain. Absolutely. I think it's a process that we bring to the table, whether we use that word or not. But it's funny because um, do you feel like either in your, you know, in your studio now or in previous iterations, do you feel like there's been pushback from structure or a pushback against something that's rigorous? You know, I don't think that it's even a concept that I could say there was a particular pushback against because it's not a concept that I think that it's not a concept that I think creatives talk about much. Yeah. And when you think of the idea of, what did you say, for academics to think deeply and carefully, in some ways that sounds really luxurious and nice because yeah. working in a deadline-driven land and a billable hour land, get get it done. And And so deeply and carefully sometimes feels counterintuitive to a hot deadline that needs to get completed. So it, it's sort of a two-part question as to how do creatives feel about working within a structure that requires rigor, and do we have the ability to take advantage of a rigorous structure? You know, I, I both agree and disagree with you because I think where you're not giving yourself credit is that you don't necessarily always need the luxury of thinking um, deeply and carefully because your experience pulls so much of that forward when you're presented with a problem. Maybe true. That when you're thinking about just being able to sit on your couch or like sit by the river and and drink a cold beer and think deeply and carefully about something that you've never pondered before, it's quite different than when you're presented a problem that is familiar and in your skill set. But it still could use rigor. That's true. And that's where creatives, you know, like constraints are bad for creativity, right? Right. <laughs> so, so the idea of being rigorous and disciplined feels almost counterintuitive in a creative industry. That, yeah. that would be an argument against it, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Or that it's hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of by definition, rigor is hard. Right, and, and it, it requires going deeper and proof of concept, right? It mm-hmm. requires proof of concept. It, it requires heavy critique and all of these things that really we, we are used to, but that sometimes makes for a lot more work. I think both of our studios are pretty uh, entrenched in process improvement. We kind of tend to do that at the beginning of the year, and at least we do. And we're very, very reflective right now. And we're, and we're taught we're putting rigor, we're building rigor into. If you go back to that scientific definition, where there's a methodical approach, is that we're really looking at the methodical approach to how we approach not only our creative process, but then our whole pipeline. You know, how do we poke holes in it? How do we provide examples from the last year where it broke? And I think really where where we are, and maybe this is true for you too, is when you have a process that works for jobs of a certain size and you scale, either in volume or in scope of projects, your process may not sure. work quite as well. Sure. Right. It may you might have some gaps there. So there is a lot of rigor going on in our studio around thinking about those methodical approaches to our process so that we bridge those gaps and we don't um, fall, especially for, you know, on behalf of our clients, we don't want to fall. But but then also we're we're thinking about how we hone things when we're working on projects that are a much different scale than or scope than we have in the past. I agree with you, and we're going through the same thing, having to work on our processes. And as a business scales, the work you do scales, and the processes you have that wrap around them have to scale. Mm-hmm. And that, that sometimes is hard. But I'm hearing you say that 
in an entrepreneurial world, you have to worry about the rigor of making sure the business is running appropriately. Mm-hmm. But we also have, you know, can't acknowledge that the rigor of being creative is something to explore as well, right? Well, yeah, and I think I think if your process is sound, whether you're whether you're in a creative industry or not, but if your process is sound, then the mechanics of how you do your business get out of the way of the thing that there is to do. In our case, it's creativity or or you know, find solutions. And so if we if we're rigorous about the process, then we've got this nice vessel that we can trust. Mm-hmm. That then whole allows the creativity to kind of flow. And you were saying earlier that creativity and entrepreneurship should be open and fluid and free. And in many ways, providing some rigor to your structure allows that to happen. In some ways, it makes a safe environment in within which you can explore, and that's that's nice and that's useful. But you can also have a process that demands and supports rigor in your creativity, right? Absolutely. And because creativity is a slippery sl- slope of I've come up with an idea. Well, great, you're not done. And we've talked about that in previous episodes, mm-hmm. right? Just because I had an idea doesn't mean it's the the final or the best or the most strategic idea. So if you have some rigor and if you have a process that demands that you test your work and test your hypothesis, and then you maybe can refine and better your product. So if you do borrow from these other industries where you are skeptical and you test, which is part of what rigor demands – you end up with a better creative product. Absolutely. I, I cannot imagine a time in a lab when a sci- when a scientist proposes a hypothesis and everybody goes, yay, pretty. <laughs> Just that's not going to happen. Cool, we're done. <laughs> but that happens in our industry. Yeah. And we, when we have to, we as business owners, as people who develop creatives, we have to push back against that. And so what does it take to be able to be rigorous with people? I think it takes upfront expectations and, you know, sort of a, Here's the, here's the playbook, and we're all going to use this playbook. So people are not surprised when you are rigorous and that you might demand one or two extra things. An example, we, like, we were talking about doing our process, and, and for us, we usually show a client one or two concepts when it comes to a creative campaign. And the staff's like, so how many concepts does Jen really need to see to boil it down to get to the one that our client will see? And so we were having that conversation. And, you know, if it's something like we're naming a company, we're going to go through 100 ideas, maybe more. In other situations, I might just need to see three concepts to figure out the one that the client will see. Sure. So we were trying to understand the parameters within which they can do their creative thinking. Mm-hmm. And and you you guys have those kinds of parameters, too. But if the parameters aren't clear and understandable by everyone in the organization, they're not working. Yeah, and I think too, and this I don't know if this happens in your studio or not, but sometimes the the solutions we're proposing are quite varied. So we'll have a solution for a client that might be animated in motion graphics right next to something that's more unscripted narrative. And so we'll kind of be able to paint the picture that these are the different approaches to solving the problem, and they come with different requirements for resources and different expectations on timeline, and really different expectations for how they'll behave in the marketplace, right? Where you need to put it, who needs to see it, how often, how many iterations of the thing. And so it's really, really interesting that maybe slightly differently than we're building a website and here are three different ways that the website can 
function because there's all sorts of bells and whistles back there that sure. make it sing and work. And then there's the skin that makes it gorgeous. Sometimes it feels a bit like Yahtzee. Like you, <laughs> you shake up the dye and you roll it out. And it's like there are kind of a lot of solutions. Yeah. I don't know if you feel like you have a lot more. Maybe I'm going down the wrong road. No, I don't think you're going down the wrong road. But what I'm hearing and, and where I think the rigor is coming into play is you know that there's a process mm-hmm. that if you follow this process, you will find a good solution for your client. And a process must be rigorous, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just saying, I don't know, let's do this. When your Yahtzee role gives you a lot of theoretical choices, but you still have to be strategic in how you make those choices. Yeah. And part of part of rigor institutionally is the expectation that we're going to make a smart answer to this question, not just a random answer to this question. Or a cool answer to the question. Right. You have to be able to answer the why. We've talked about that a lot. Right. So maybe rigor is just really baked into how you and I perceive business Mm -hmm. because we didn't really talk about this before, but I think lots of the entrepreneur world might push back against rigor because you have to be agile and respond to the marketplace and come up with new ideas. That's great. But at a certain point, you have to have that discipline Mm -hmm. and you have to have that process and you have to have that self-critique in order to make something that's really excellent. Well, and just like the scientific approach to rigor, the the methodical approach to that scientific concept is that you have to be able to defend why. You have to be able to defend your hypothesis or your your purpose or your plot or your communication objective. You have to be able to defend it. You do. And and that only comes from first having a foundation of this rigorous process that you follow, but then also, again, it's a vessel that you're allowing the creativity to kind of – flow, but then you're presenting something on top of that that has to uh, be able to be defended. And I love that you're talking about the scientific process. I, I had an illustrator once, and we were talking through changes to a project, and he's like, that's too many variables at once. Let's just make one variable, then react to that, which is clearer for the scientific process, right? You don't yeah. you don't make multiple variables then you, because that you, then you don't know what, what gave you your reaction. Yeah. And if you borrow that process and it, it just helps. It helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating. Well, I wasn't sure where this conversation would go, Jen, but I really, really like it. I think that there's clear benefits to applying rigor to running a business, uh, certainly to a creative process. I think, as you've already pointed out, that it really will bring value to your client. It will produce a better outcome at the end. That's true. And I think, in some ways, people who are in marketing and related fields have a challenge because you're not the science guys, you're not the product developers, you're not the money guys. So if you treat your world of marketing and creativity with that set of high expectations and rigor, I think that you get a different reaction from the people around you too. So if they can see that you are holding yourself to these exacting standards, I think it really changes, I don't want to say the balance of power, but it it changes perceptions in the room. And I, I don't think that it can do anything but help a company. Agree. Uh, on both sides, your company and your clients. But the idea of get, grabbing that beer, when you said earlier, grab a beer and look at the water, and I thought, and look at the clouds until you come up with the great idea, because all those shapes are up there in the clouds, Yeah, which brings us back to a really good beer. Brings us back to a really good beer. And, and it's funny because how many times have we talked about uh, looking for our solutions while we're outside? No kidding. So uh, it's a little cold in Michigan in January to spend too much time outside unless you're dressed appropriately. But I am not afraid to have a beer outside. No. Just, you know, kind of use the snowbank as your 
as you're cozy. But yeah, I mean, uh, I do love a Michigan beer. I especially like this one from Schwartz. Yeah, and I'm really glad you suggested it because I'm not a huge IPA gal personally, but I always like it when someone gives me a good suggestion. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got that little bitterness, but it's also got a little bit of pine in it and some really interesting floral notes. So I, I find this one a really good sip. Love it. If people want to check out this drink or talk to us a little bit more, we'd love to have you reach out. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Easy Underground or on our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. So what are we talking about next time, Jen? Everyone has heard the advice, fake it till you make it. Absolutely. My younger self has even used it as a mantra walking into a meeting. But is it good advice or is it bullshit? That's what we're talking about next time. 